Our first scripture reading this morning is from the 24th chapter of Joshua, beginning on page 205 in the Old Testament of your Pew Bible. Joshua 24, 14 through 25. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness, Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made statues, statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Gospel lesson from the 25th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, then the kingdom of heaven is going to be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, 
There will not be enough for you and us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And when they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. But he replied, I truly tell you, I don't know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know either the day or the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Join your hearts with me in prayer. We ask, O Lord, for the gift of hearing. You not only give to us words of grace, but you also give to us ears to hear that grace, so that from the beginning to the end, it is your work. May we bring glory to you. Amen. Well, we've only got a few more weeks left in the liturgical year. We've got a little more time in the calendar year, but the liturgical year wraps up with the first Sunday of Advent. That's what starts the next year in the church. And so when we meander through these texts, as we have done Christmas and Easter and Pentecost and all these weeks of Pentecost since springtime, the texts begin to turn a little more apocalyptic, reminding us that things are not only wrapping up with the year, but a day will come when things will wrap up all together. And so our gospel lesson today is one of those stories about what happens at the end of days. And of course, in the cycle that is the liturgical year, we think about the return of Christ as the year wraps up, and then immediately we celebrate the first coming and longing for the presence of Christ with the strains at the beginning of Advent of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Rapture, Captive, Israel. So we're in that space in the text where we're talking about the way things are going to ultimately wrap up in history, the end of history, and Jesus tells his disciples in this little parable, stay awake. Be prepared. You don't know when it's going to happen. could happen any time. So always be in a state of preparedness. In the Gospel lesson, ten bridesmaids awaiting the coming of the bridegroom for the grand celebration. Five remembered to have their vehicles serviced according to the manufacturer's model. Five neglected their regular maintenance, and when the caravan arrived for them to be able to go to the party, they found themselves out of oil, broken down, pulled over to the side, late for the reception. My grandmother was one of those wise bridesmaids. She was ready for anything. In her purse, she had Band-Aids, hand cream, pocket knife, manicure set, extra snacks, empty lunch bags and wax paper bags, string, scotch tape, small pair of pliers, some screwdrivers, a measuring tape, pens, pencils, markers, a piece of chalk along with a comb and face powder, lipstick, nail polish, spare change, always exact, 
On the strap of her bra, she always had a few safety pins, just in case. A chainsaw, a bumper jack, blowtorch, and a backhoe. Okay, slight exaggeration there at the end. But she had this uncanny ability to just reach in and pull out the right tool for the job, no matter what the job happened to be. No foolish bridesmaid she. Preparedness was her watchword. And it is the watchword of our gospel lesson. Don't be caught with a low oil light on. Although I must confess, I drive a Kia, and it's kind of hard to keep on top of the oil, but those of you who understand driving a Kia know exactly what I mean. I reference my grandmother's purse because from time to time, we have this privilege of being able to celebrate the sacrament of baptism here in our sanctuary. And it gives me an opportunity to preach for a few minutes about the church. Most Sundays, I preach to the church. I offer some rambling reflections with the hope that somewhere between my mouth and your ears, God finds something useful for you to be able to live in the world, to sustain you for the living of these days. It's about you and your life and your work, your relationships, your soul, your spirit. The message is, I hope, to you. But because we undertake today the holy rite of baptism, on such an occasion I think it's useful to talk about the church, our collective meaning, our shared purpose, and how we accomplish God's tasks expressed eloquently in the covenant of baptism. In a few moments, as Chris pointed out to the kids before they went off to Faith Forest, adorable little Kira will be brought to the font, and it's, it's called a font. I told Joe you know, it's called a font because of the way the letters are shaped, I think. I thought that was going to be funnier. Joe liked it. <laughs> and we at the font take a holy vow. We promise on behalf of the whole church to surround her with love and instruction, grace and support, so that she will eventually find the gospel so compelling that the faith that we hold dear will take root in her own heart and we will support her and her parents and her family so that she can ultimately confirm that faith as her own. Traditionally, we do that in the spring with confirmation. But confirmation doesn't necessarily automatically happen when you're 11 or 12 years old. It, it can be a lifetime of commitment in order to nurture what we start today that she'll grow in order to become one of the wise ones whose lamp continues to shine because we've assisted her in knowing how to refill her oil. Or to use the earlier analogy, she'll know how to pack a purse. That's about us. That's about the church. It's about this place that has been entrusted into our care through the covenant of baptism, we assist one another in the sacred art of purse packing. It's a complicated world out there. It can be cold, dark, lonely, harsh. And we want Kira to know that she can be among those who are ready, watchful, prepared. 
This happy occasion also occurs on Commitment Sunday, gives us a very simple connect the dots. We've been saying for the past several weeks that our annual pledge drive has a theme. The theme is, it is a way of seeing. And baptism is that same invitation. It is a way of seeing. Not just the spiritual elements of fellowship and prayer and exhortation and teaching, but the very practical things, like repairing the boiler, or tuning the organ and the piano, or buying light bulbs, or paying salaries, or equipping our faith forest with craft supplies, or pouring coffee and tea, or buying dish soap and brooms, and in a few weeks, snow shovels. It's oddly that mundane, but oddly that profound. We're called to be stewards of the world, and most Sundays, that's the proclamation that God has gifted us with this grand and wonderful world and granted us with a wonderful, delightful life, and we are to be stewards with one another, touching all creation with kindness and grace treating one another with compassion and love. But our stewardship also includes a very particular place, our place wedged here on the south half of the block on Elm Street between Catherine and Ashland Avenues in a town called LaGrange, Illinois. It's a place where we gather. We gather to encourage one another, to teach one another, to serve one another. And today we are going to do two important and closely related things. In a few moments, we will be handing our pledge cards in the offering plate to be brought forward where we will commit ourselves to the full operation for 2024 of the First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. But we are also pledging to welcome and equip and encourage one another in the families of this place where, where grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles, friends, all gather in a few minutes with a big brother who will be here as well. I'll bring this baby to be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's a big job. It's hard work. And in the romanticism of this hour, it would be easy to be persuaded that this is all quite doable quite simple. We're going to read a prayer together and it's going to feel great and we'll say, yep, that's what we mean to say. It's like the final speech that Joshua delivers in the 24th chapter of his eponymous book. The moment of deep reconnecting out there in the middle of his grand speech. He's just rehearsed for the children of Israel their narrative, the story of their being. He reminded them of God's covenant with Abraham, of their bondage and eventually delivery from slavery the wandering in the wilderness until they arrived in the land of promise. The passages, the verses that were not read between the opening section and the closing section that Joe shared included words that Joe was happy were omitted because it included the victory over the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgazites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And they decided that the lay reader shouldn't have to read the names of those towns. They were the victories given to the people by God. Joshua then puts before them a choice to determine which God or gods they would serve. He gives them options. 
He tells them that they are welcome to serve whatever god or gods they decide that they are going to serve. They could serve the gods that the ancestors served before Abraham. You can serve the gods of the people of of Egypt or that our own people found in their comfort while they were slaves in Egypt. You can serve the gods of the wilderness, the nomads that wander. You can serve the gods of the Canaanite people where we have just moved in. After all, this is their home turf. Maybe you should adopt their gods. You're welcome to serve whoever you want. But he announces to them that he is going to serve the Lord. You get to choose. But let me know, let you know that before you choose, I've made up my mind. No politician was Joshua. Politicians do it the other way around. They find out, well, who are you going to serve, and then I'll help you serve, right? Joshua, before they even took the poll, before they even took the vote, said to the people, you get to choose what you're going to do. I need to tell you up front what I am going to do. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so he continues, choose who you will serve. And the people shout with grand enthusiasm, we'll serve the Lord. You can hear the crowd go wild. Joshua had them in the palm of his hand. It's the preacher's grand and glorious moment. He asked for the choice, and they made the right choice. And he can see them actually take their pledge cards out of their pockets and cross off that small number and write a big number. Okay, it didn't happen. But in that moment, Joshua tells them, You can't do it. He takes all the air out of that rhetorical moment where they're all cheering and saying, I serve the Lord. Joshua says, wait a minute. Take a deep breath here. Think about what it is that you are saying. Because God is holy and will expect you to follow through on your commitments. And if you don't do it, God will express concrete and honest expressions of disappointment in how your future unfolds. Think it over, says Joshua. Don't be so quick in the moment of enthusiasm to dive in and say, yeah, that's what we want to do. No, don't say it unless you mean it. He tells them they need to know the full cost of what they're saying that they are incapable in that frenzy of knowing the height and depth and breadth of what it means to serve the Lord, their ongoing commitment. Week in, week out, dedication, faithfulness, courage. There's a cost in following through on that enthusiasm. So a hush falls over the crowd, and Joshua tells them not to promise anything without thinking in sober judgment exactly what they're saying. Joshua tells them to check your purse. Are you sure you can follow through on what it is you're promising to do? And that's the challenge that we face today in the sacrament of baptism. Are we sure we can follow through with what it is that we pledge in this holy rite? In a few moments, on behalf of the whole church, we're going to promise to love, nurture, inspire 
this little one, to the end that she becomes a disciple of Christ. It's a sober moment. It includes not only today, not just 2024, but a relentless consistency to care for her, for her parents, throughout all of her days until she too can confirm what we commend today. Can we do it? Will we do it? Of course, it's hard to finish a sermon today without acknowledging that there's one more thing going on. And that is that to a person, we miss Derek Metcalf. And we will continue to miss Derek Metcalf. All of you probably have stories and remembrances, connections, and we will have months and months ahead to be able to share those with one another. And all of you know that when it came to generosity, he was capable of exceeding us all because God had blessed him and he in turn chose to be very, very generous with his congregation. And so behind the scenes, some things happened that maybe wouldn't have happened otherwise or would have happened with greater sacrifice because Derek said, I'll take care of that. But I think you'll be better remembered for those constant and consistent little mundane activities that followed through on his own baptismal pledge. Over 30 confirmands, he was their mentor. And every confirmation class, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, he would show up and have candy bars. Not little fun-sized candy bars, I mean full-sized candy bars. Everyone of a certain age is currently nodding. And he'd make the trek all the way up to the top floor, to where confirmation class was, and sit with the kids and hand out the candy. As he became more frail, he couldn't make the walk anymore. I always hoped that he'd say, yeah, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to put in an elevator. Never happened. <laughs> but he'd hand the candy bars to someone else and say, make sure the kids get their candy bars. And then when he became too frail to show up and deliver them himself, Allison would come and say, Dad wanted me to bring the candy for the compromise. It was a mundane consistency again and again and again. It is a challenge for us to realize that it's not just one big grand moment, not just a big number on a pledge card or a particular enthusiastic declaration of eternal support. It's what happens week after week after week for us to reinforce in one another and with one another the confirmation of the faith that we hold dear. It is each of us in our own lives saying with Joshua, do what you want, but as for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. She's awake, she's happy, let's move to baptism. (laughs) 